Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about call to actions, how you can get more results, sales, traffic. And I'm excited to discuss this topic with Justin Dunham. How are you? Hey, how's it going, Anatoly? Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's, uh, you know, you put out great stuff on LinkedIn all the time. It's just exciting to be able to talk with you about this. Yeah, yeah, for me as, as well, because, you know, I check out your profile. Yeah, you have extended experience. So I'm excited to learn more because, you know, uh, many people uh, are thinking that I... Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I have this podcast because of the sake to grow my audience. But, you know, the first reason I'm learning, you know, I love learning <laughs> from experts like you, you know, yeah. when I'm talking to experts, uh, to Neil Patel, Rand Fishkin, Craig Campbell, Lily Ray, many others. Uh, and uh, today I'm so excited to discuss with you because I can learn, you know, I can learn and everyone so can right. do it. Yeah. Okay, before we start, just tell more about yourself, your experience, background, and why you decided to take this topic. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I run an agency called Aircule, um, and we are called Aircule because we are named after a fictional detective who is very short, and we are small but effective. That's why we call mm -hmm. ourselves that, small boutique. And we work with clients on lots of different things, but we really uh, put SEO and content strategy at the heart of all of our engagements. And the reason for that is content is really the heart of marketing. And another big reason for that is I happen to have a background of being pretty technical, pretty analytical, love spreadsheets, love code. But a lot of folks like writers and content marketers and other people like that don't have the same level of comfort. Uh, with those tools. They want to write. They want to be creative. They want to talk about the brand and the story. They don't want to spend all, all day in Google Analytics and spreadsheets. So part of the reason I started Aircule was really to bring all that technical stuff and analytical stuff and process stuff and make it a lot easier for those folks because you shouldn't have to have you know, an MBA or a PhD in math or be you know a spreadsheet whiz to, to be an effective marketer in 2022. So... Yeah, yeah, I love it, you know, because uh, I remember when I asked Neil Patel about uh, his college degree and he replied to me, that was the worst time, you know, <laughs> not, not the worst time. Uh, yeah. uh, he, he, you know, uh, I read his story uh, and he, uh, he shared on his story that uh, that was not a good decision to go to college because mm -hmm. uh, he want to be an ent entrepreneur and entrepreneur needs to have... Uh, critical thinking, how to decide some problems. But yeah. on college, everyone told him, you need to go to college, you have mm -hmm. no future without the mm -hmm. college. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, uh, today, for example, I have financial education, but I jumped on this field uh, mm -hmm. without having any marketing education. And right. when I spoke with many great experts, you know, they have different degrees, but uh, some of them, yeah, they have marketing experience, uh, marketing uh, degree, but in most cases, they learn through experience. Can you tell more about, uh, for example, if someone want to jump on this field, where do they need to start? How to learn? Uh, if someone want to be an expert like you, uh, what do they need to learn and where to get the skills? That's a, that's a great question. And I think, you know, the, the stuff you said about, I mean, I, I went to business school and I have an MBA in marketing. And I got to tell mm -hmm. you, it is very, very different. It's all about getting as much direct experience as you can with the mm -hmm. tools 
and the technologies and the things people are using today. So if I think about when I went from having my degree to actually moving into a job and I worked at a company called MongoDB, which is, you know, did very, very well. And I was an early employee there. And I just took every piece of responsibility that I could. Hey, we're redoing the website. Great. I will, you know, jump in and see how I can support that process. And I'm going to learn about, oh, this is how web technology works and this is how CMSs work. Or, you know, if somebody has a question about um, something in Marketo, you know, hey, I'll jump on that. Give me a login and I'll get in. So I think the really important thing is to be having as much direct experience as possible, to be willing to feel like you don't know anything. That's a big part of it too. Just being willing to accept that feeling of, you know, I don't know what this is, but I'm gonna try to figure it out. I'll give you one other little story too, which is when I did my, my business degree, I actually never went to class. And instead of going to class, I used to, I taught myself to code and I did other mm -hmm. stuff that was really useful. So any experience you can get uh, where you're directly working on something, you're accepting that feeling that maybe I don't know what I'm doing. That's the learning. And that's where I think you really, you know, the rubber meets the road on this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think curiosity can push uh, forward. And yeah. yeah, if you are curious about the niche. And uh, I think, you know, uh, it's even more than uh, learning. Uh, you know, I, I like the word acting. You know, when you learn something, you need to act to check it out, yes. how it works. Yes. Because, uh, for example, I usually avoid best practices. Uh, I try to <laughs> use them, you know, because... You That's know, a great uh, quote. I love that quote. I usually avoid best practices. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah because, you know, I, I check out best practices before jumping on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. uh, how I can grow on LinkedIn. I use uh, stuff that everyone, uh, that some influencers uh, use before me but you know uh that was interesting uh you know uh, when you have your strong side you need to okay. develop your strong side you don't need to copy others for example if someone uh is good with video it doesn't mean that you need to film video because right. you love writing so yeah, yeah it's better to consider this That's and yeah. yeah the other thing i was going to add too is you know, first of all, digital marketing is unique in that you can see the results of what you're doing much more easily. So that's really helpful for people who are teaching themselves. But the other thing I was going to say, too, is and, and this is a lesson I've just been learning over the past couple of years, build, getting into these communities where people are asking questions that you might have answers to uh, has been huge. Connecting with you on LinkedIn, right? Here I am. And we're both going to learn from each other because I was posting and talking about things, asking questions to the community. So I would say that's the other really big thing that's going to become more and more important, especially for marketers, is having some kind of presence on social networks or slacks or maybe a writer's group and joining those and seeing again how you can help and uh, what questions people are asking and answering. So anyway, that's another thought there. Yeah, agree, agree. And you know, uh, my last tip is to be yourself, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I can film uh, stupid videos, uh, how I can take cold path, but you know, someone loves, someone hates, uh, I don't care, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's my style. <laughs> We're not gonna see you on TikTok, Anatoly. Uh, yeah, on LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, YouTube, I, I share everywhere. <laughs> Okay, great, great. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. uh, but but I'm not good with TikTok. You know, my son, uh, yeah, he beats me on TikTok uh, many times. You know? <laughs> yeah, I have only uh, like 70 followers, uh, but he has a lot more, and he always. 
told me, yeah, I'm not good. Just go to your LinkedIn. <laughs> Forget yeah. about so he's it. better at marketing than you are. Yeah. yeah. I have a seven-year-old daughter and she's the same. So I understand. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's uh, get back to our main topic. Uh, yes. Can you tell um, what type of call to actions uh, we can use today? Uh, I mean, like uh, buttons, text, uh, hyperlinks, yeah. or anything else. Just share uh, most of them and yeah, uh, why we need to use them. I, I want to talk about that and I, and I will um, get to that. I want to step back and talk a little bit about the idea of the call to action though, because I think it's, it's a really important sort of thing to rethink what it means. Cause I think a lot of us think about it in the wrong way. And here's what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, writers and content marketers, especially sometimes get this feeling. And I feel this too. You write something and you don't want to, you don't want to push something on somebody. You don't want to have them write it and then you're like, oh, but, and now I want you to sign up for my product. It, some, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it can feel a little bit weird. And so what I've started doing is instead of thinking of them as a call to action, as something that I'm trying to make somebody else do, what I think about this is here's how we can help. And I got this idea actually from Josh Spilker, who, you know, you've probably heard of and, and seen around. He mm -hmm. posts a lot. Every time we're creating a piece of content, the end of the content needs to be, here's how we can help with mm -hmm. whatever the intent was of the search, with whatever are the issues that we raised in the article, and here's how we can help. And if you think about it that way, the call to action is really just you offering another way to help. And maybe that can be, here's another article. Here's a, a sign up for our newsletter because our newsletter is so, you know, is going to give you important information that you might want if you like this post. Sometimes it might be a product, whatever it is. So I hope I'm not going too far off track, Anatoly, but I think that's a, it's a really important point that we need to think differently. It's not about getting people and trying to, you know, get them to convert and, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. It's about here's how we can help. Um, so, so that's number one. And I'll actually pause there in case like you have any questions or you want to talk about that more before I get back to your original question. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, got it. Um, okay. But Oh, oh, sorry. So, so in terms of kind of what's available for calls to yeah. action, there's so many different ways to do that, right? There's the main, like super effective one that we see all the time is just having something that's sticky. When people are scrolling down, they're seeing the same thing that's constantly um, visible on the page. So that's mm -hmm. a really great one. Um, we're seeing obviously people do things like pop-up boxes and what are called exit intent where you leave and then there's a something that takes over the screen we're seeing those be less effective often because you know you might collect the email address but people feel like they mm -hmm. have to do it just to get to the content so that's another kind of class um another set of calls to action that people don't really think about that often uh but we're starting to see more and more of is chat like drift mm -hmm. or intercom or something like that so that that's kind of the universe and i would say the last thing i'll say um, uh, talking about that specifically is the key for content marketers and writers and people who are putting these calls to action up is to think about them as here's how we can help and also to match whatever the call to action is to where somebody is in their buyer's journey. Because mm -hmm, if it's the mm -hmm. first thing you've seen and it's just really top of the funnel content, and I try to get you to sign up for something right away, might not be helpful to you, might not be the right offer. But if I give you a call to action to read another blog post or download a white paper, that might be better. Uh, 
very nice. Guys. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> These guys are from North Korea. They have no internet, but they, <laughs> they just sent me this video. <laughs> how did you get them on that on the call so fast? That was amazing. Uh, awesome. uh, on, on StreamYard, yeah, we can use it, you know, to add some files, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Like that. That's really cool. Okay. Uh, let's talk about surrounding text. For example, um, if we have some call to action, button, uh, text, anything, uh, mm -hmm. how to surround the right text? That um, Because, you know, in most cases, uh, users read text, uh, some content, consume it, and they can stick with call to action. Uh, how it's better to surround this information? Because in most cases, I don't remember exactly the number, but 80% of users just leave for a few seconds any content. You know, it's like right, text-based, right, video point. content. So yeah, uh, how how to uh, catch them, hook their attention, and yeah. to uh, provide a strong reason to click uh, to this call to action? Right, that's that's great, and I think there are a couple of things. First of all, obviously, it's important to have you know uh, your your call to action or your button or whatever it is be really clear in the text so people can see it. You know, you have the button is offset or, you know, whatever it is, right? You want it to, to, to stand out a little bit. And it's not the worst thing in the world to have a call to action pretty near to the top of the article. That's totally mm -hmm. fine. As long as the call to action relates to why the person came in the first place or what, you know, information they might be looking for. So that's the first thing I would say is, uh, in terms of catching people's attention, there's lots of things that your graphic designers can do. But the key thing is to have something that is appropriate for somebody who has not read the whole article, which is likely to be sending them to, you know, another content offer that might be more compelling to them or having a newsletter sign up or something like that. Um, another thing that's really important is making sure that the benefit of doing the thing is really, really clear. So, um, you know, when we talk to people about signing up for our newsletter, just to use a, a very small example, uh, there are a bunch of ways we could talk about it. We could say, you know, sign up for our newsletter because our newsletter is great. Or we could say sign up for our newsletter because it's funny or whatever it is. But what we try to say is sign up for the newsletter because it contains valuable information, because it contains these tips. Social proof can also be really important. Mm -hmm. Here's another person who signed up for this newsletter who's done this thing. So when you're trying to get somebody to actually do a thing on your site, you want to catch their attention. You want to get your graphic designers involved. You want to do something that looks good, but also matching it to where they're at. Uh, in terms of their intent and making it clear what the benefit to them is of doing the thing, both super important, very hard things to do. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, benefits, yeah, it's better to share benefits, what kind of value they can get. You know, it, it's the same uh, with social media. For example, mm -hmm. if you want to grow your uh, number of followers to get new loyal audience, right. it's the same. You need to provide a strong reason what kind of value you will yes. bring uh, in the future because everyone want to get more value. You know, if they feel to get more value, they will follow you. So yeah. what you need to do just to share value as maximum as possible. More value, more yeah. results, and more people will follow you. Yeah, right. Love it. Exactly. Love it. Yeah. And it can, and it's, it. you know, figuring out what the value is also not always that easy. You know, you might mm -hmm. spend a lot of time trying to really, Really understand how do I talk about why this is valuable or how do I talk about the value in a quick way that people get? And I think another thing I would say here is that, you know, getting all of those things to work really requires a lot of cooperation. If you're a content writer or a, a content marketer 
uh, you might want to talk to whoever does your product marketing to really mm -hmm. understand deeply what the value proposition of a signup is, for example. So cooperating with other people can be really helpful in getting the right calls to action. Nice, nice. Uh, I can't avoid this question. You know, I can see a few books on your background. Can you tell more? What kind of books do you like to read and why uh, they excited you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, when you said I can't avoid this question, I was going to say, well, I lost it about 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a few books here. I, I love um, literature and writing. Um, mm -hmm. I was a uh, in college, so I I'm, I majored in Latin and ancient Greek in college. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So that's what I did. Nice. No practical value, but I would probably say it, it helped me in certain ways that we can save for another podcast. So I, I have a few <laughs> things here. I've got, um, I've got this book of poetry uh, by this uh, poem that I really, uh, my favorite guy, and I try to think about his poems and the way he writes. Um, mm -hmm. And then I also have a couple of other things. We were actually talking about this on LinkedIn yesterday. This is mm -hmm. a book um, called A Primer of Potential Literature, Ulipo. And all the things in here are written with special rules. For example, you can't use the letter E. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, different ways of writing, different ways of storytelling. And then the last thing I have here, my daughter is in, um, my daughter's in a Japanese um, school. She's learning Japanese. So I have a Japanese book and this Japanese book is called Don't Push the Button. And the mm -hmm. whole book, uh, when I read it with them, it's about trying to trying to get them to not to to, to do the call to action of not touching the button. Uh, mm -hmm. And it is very ineffective. Nice. They're constantly wanting to touch the button. So yeah. Anyway. Awesome. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love reading books. You know, I spend so much time. You know, I decided to quit watching TV before yeah. sleep. Uh, and uh, yeah, and right now I pay a lot more attention by reading books. So <laughs> I love learning uh, what others can read. So yeah. Is there one? Is there one that you that comes to mind that you could recommend to me uh, to check out? Uh, the many books, many books. Uh, you know, yeah. the last time I started to read um, uh, Jack London books, I love him. I don't oh, know. Yeah. yeah, he wrote many great books a hundred years ago. So, uh, and uh, I love Martin Eder, uh, Eden. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, books about uh, two dogs, uh, Jack and Michael. Yeah, no, not yeah, Jack. Cool. I think. Yeah. Yeah, is Jack awesome London book, is he yeah. the Call of the Wild? Is that Jack London? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I read that a while ago, and yeah, and cool. And and there's Jack London Square in uh, California and stuff like that. So okay, I'll I'll put that back on the list. Thank you. Yeah, you definitely need to read the book uh, called uh, Martin Eden. Okay, nice Martin book. Eden. Yeah, nice book. You know, uh, this book about a guy who. Uh, didn't have any education, but he practiced, he acted, you know, it's interesting, a hundred years ago, he showed uh, what works today, you know, it's mm -hmm. the same, because many people are overlearning and do nothing, you know, but uh, this guy just acted, and That's he, uh, yeah. yeah, he achieved high results, much higher than many other uh, people on uh, this age, and yeah, it's actual today as well. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay, let's get back to our uh, main topic. Uh, 
can you tell uh, how to add call to action to blog posts? Uh, mm -hmm. where we need to put it. Uh, uh, and, you know, um, I often see when uh, some uh, blogs uh, are overselling, you know, they uh, mm -hmm. submit a lot of uh, sales stuff mm -hmm. and Google might ignore it. Uh, but uh, other blogs can get high results. For example, Neil Patel, you know, he uh, he shares a lot of overselling stuff, you know, uh, from left side, uh, the, in the yes, top, on the right yeah. side. All but, right. you know, he, he has this authority. Uh, mm -hmm. he, yeah. he, he, he even uses uh, pop-ups uh, the, uh, that hide the whole window, yeah. but, but it works for him, you know, can you tell <laughs> yeah. how to find this balance? You need to build this authority uh, and uh, to go ahead or uh, it's better to minimize uh, these pop-ups and other transactions, yeah. what do you think? That's a, that's a great question. I think it's, it's very complicated. Um, so, you know, just, I, I just want to rephrase it for myself. It's it, part of your question, I think is, how, how do I think about, you know, just doing calls to action in general? But also I think part of your question is how aggressive can we actually be with calls to yeah. action? We're trying to get people to take conversion actions on the site. And it's, that's a, mm -hmm. it's a very interesting and hard question. Uh, I would say a few things. First of all, there's absolutely risk um, in yeah. the, uh, in, in let's call it the Neil Patel strategy. No, no shade on him at all. He's, you know, doing it very well. Um, but uh, there's definitely a risk in that. If you are starting out, you don't have a lot of authority. People don't know your brand. Um, the last thing that you want is for them to come to your site and sort of, you know, get the sense that you're trying to sell them something or, you know, you don't really have the answers to the questions that they have. And so, you know, if you go to a site that I, I just think about a lot of like, random information sites that I might read on the internet, you know, and I, I just want to learn about some specific, you know, medical topic or something. So I go on WebMD and I get hit by 10 million things and it, it's just not good for trust. Right. Um, and so if you're just starting out, it's really, really risky to do that potentially. In addition to Google will penalize you for slow loading pages for things that change the layout of the page. Um, and also for interstitials, which people don't do very much anymore, um, which is which is uh, great that people don't do that. Mm -hmm. So I would say, I think number one factor is what is your product and who are you trying to sell to? Um, Aircule works with a lot of enterprise sales, big data, SaaS uh, companies that do contracts with their customers that are $50,000, $100,000, million plus, okay? And so... Our, our customers usually need to build trust and they need their visitors to see them as trustworthy, um, you know, calm, reliable. And so the Neil Patel strategy <laughs> mm -hmm. for our customers yeah. would be a real problem um, and mm -hmm. we would never recommend it. However, um, you know, there are other clients we work with, sometimes e-com, other folks like that, where, where it works better. So, but I think there's one thing is how much trust. And then I think another thing is what is the request that you are making? It really comes down to this again. If the request you're making is sign up for the newsletter, sure, you might be able to drive more conversions. You probably will be able to by being more aggressive. But if the request is sign up for a demo or pay me or, you know, buy this thing, in a lot of cases, that can be, you know, more complicated. So I, to kind of try to shorten my answer a little yeah, bit, thank you for listening. 
Um, I would say it's about how much trust you need to build with your user, how much trust you already have, and what's your product cycle and, and you know, what kind of audience you need to reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah, valuable. Okay, uh, let's talk about uh, creating the right content strategy. Uh, for example, yeah. for a new website. And uh, today it's important to consider uh, your buying journey. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, uh, why they buy, when they buy, when they learn. Uh, can you tell more how to create the right strategy, for example, when we have uh, such competition? Uh, mm -hmm. If I type on Google any keyword, I can get a million results for <laughs> any keyword. So how to compete with them? How do I know that I can overcome them, especially for mm -hmm. a new website? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you in the short term, you can't. I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to you know get the number one result for mm -hmm. keyword strategy as much as I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we are we are on page one for keyword strategy, but not the top position. That, that's going to take some time. So mm -hmm. the key thing you have to do, and I think it's true in marketing the same way it would be true of any part of business, is you have to find that niche where you can be more valuable than what's out there. Uh, you can focus in that area and you can really produce something valuable, but just in that tiny little area. So, for example, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we work on with clients a lot is keyword strategy stuff. And we might have a client who makes accounting software and they're not going to rank for accounting software if they're brand new, but maybe their accounting software is unique. It's different in some way. It's different because it's easier to use. It's more user-friendly. Okay. Well, what does the volume and competition profile look like for easy to use accounting software? Or what does it look like for how to use accounting software. And maybe maybe it needs to get even more niche. Maybe it's easy to use accounting software for dentists, you know? Mm -hmm. And we what we have to do is just keep take thinking about our content strategy. If we're starting out, what is the the biggest niche that we can target where we can really be competitive? And then you focus on that, you win it, whether it's through organic search or paid search or something else. And then once you win it, you know, you're making those sales, the business is growing, and then you, then you uh, invest more resources in a larger play. And that larger play becomes easy to use accounting software. And then in a few years, you win that, and you got more resources, and then you invest in accounting software. But it's really about finding that balance of the things mm -hmm. that have volume, have relevance, low competition. And we have a couple of resources that I'm just going to mention. So one of them um, is a content strategy quick start course um, that you can find in my LinkedIn profile and other places. And we can talk about this later, but that talks about that. Um, and it really helps you start from scratch. And the other one, which is free on the Aircule site, is our uh, topic, our three-hour keyword strategy. And that one is mm -hmm. also about same process of how do I find those little niches where I can start to compete? So that's how mm -hmm. I would approach it with a new website. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, how do you measure this competition uh, mm. with SEMrush, HRFs, with these tools? Yeah, we we usually use SEMrush or SEMrush, mm -hmm. as people call it. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't actually I've never heard it said out loud. <laughs> no, I have, but uh, it's uh -huh. hard to know. Um, but um, we use it. We use that. Um, there's lots of things you can do if you don't have an SEMrush subscription. Um, what you can actually do is just Google some stuff and see what the page one results are. You know. Mm -hmm. um, but anything that gives you a sense of high, medium, low competition, it'll be usually be obvious when you found something and all the other mm -hmm. sites there are ones that you haven't heard of or 
you know, whatever, but um, any tool can be good for that. And then they'll have mm -hmm. a stat. If you use SEMrush, they'll have a stat called domain authority, which is <clears throat> honestly estimated, let's just say, and it's estimated based on number of backlinks and stuff like that, but that's a perfectly fine measure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Got it. Uh, I have the question about uh, finding the right copywriter. Uh, I can tell uh, why it's important for me because, uh, for example, uh, when I spoke with many different uh, agencies, uh, uh, business owners um, in digital marketing, and many of them uh, have different strategies. Some of them mm -hmm. can help customers creating content. Mm -hmm. Others okay. can skip it and tell it's not our main direction. It's better to find someone else. But you know, from my experience, even big companies um, have this issue, you know, to create content. And uh, when I ask them what's going on, uh, mm -hmm. can you write this blog post or create content? They reply, you know, I have no time with that. I need to compete with my competitors uh, because uh, the competition right. is fierce. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it takes time to find the right copywriter who can uh, create awesome piece of content. Mm -hmm. So uh, from your experience, how to do it, how to find uh, the right copywriter, even in, uh, you know, uh, even big companies, million dollar companies mm -hmm. uh, with uh, a lot hard. of sales have this problem. Yeah. How to find, because uh, for example, on Upwork, I edit a few times um, requests and got, uh, I don't know, like a hundred replies uh, with good feedback, uh, ratings, but when I check out them, no way, it's not mm -hmm. good stuff. Mm -hmm. From your experience, how to do it? Yeah. Um, I think there are a few pieces. I think number one, you know, you and I talked about this uh, much earlier in the in the podcast. Building relationships is really important. Mm -hmm. So um, I, you know, I connect with people on LinkedIn, and I have a ton of connections now. Look, I, you know, I haven't, I, I don't know them extremely well, but I have a ton mm -hmm. of connections who are copywriters, and some of them post and they talk about the work that they do and and, and stuff like that. So, but I built those relationships before I need them. And I research mm -hmm. who those people are before I need them so that when I get asked by a client to get a referral to a copywriter, I can look through those people and I already know them. And they may, they may not be available to name of somebody else, but relationships are mm -hmm. a really important part of it. Um, I would say another really um, underestimated strategy is content. And this is true for anybody you might want to hire, but content uh, writers, copywriters, um, they all have their communities. You know, there are Slacks, there are Facebook groups. Um, John Benini runs one. Um, lots of, there are lots of folks out there writing, running these lounges. And going into those lounges or going into those spaces, even if you're not that person and seeing, you know, who's active, who's asking questions, who's answering questions, who's looking for work. Um, that can be a really good way to get a sense of uh, who's going to be a good person to hire, the quality of their work, and also, you know, whether they're going to be a fit. Because that's the third thing I would say is, I think sometimes, um, especially in marketing, people who are outside of marketing, CEOs and other folks like that, they want the world. You know, they want a copywriter who does CRO and Google Analytics and, lot, you know, eight other things, and they know how to make a great omelet. And it just, you know, you have to be really targeted. It's just like what we talked about with the content niches is the same thing when you're hiring somebody, you really have to have a clear sense of here's what I really need to have. Here's the nice to have, here's what I really need. And that can help you zero in on, you know, the right people for the job you're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. You know, when I check out, uh, 
uh, on LinkedIn uh, job tabs, I can see that companies are looking for jack of all trades. Now, who can <laughs> yes. do everything? They yeah. they need to create website, to develop, you know, wait, <laughs> to create content, to write, to design, you know, yes. to submit. <laughs> Guys, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot for one people. You know, it's uh, for one man. It's interesting that uh, ten years ago, uh, in my team, we had uh, a web developer who handled our website and 20 others, you know, many, many different mm -hmm. CRMs. Mm -hmm. Today, uh, we have two web developers who only uh, check out our website, uh, optimize, because uh, competition is huge. Technologies are coming fast, so we need to consider them. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's better to have specialists who pay attention to one topic. Even, for example, in SEO, I'm not good with many directions. Yeah, I know some people who can provide only one link, link building service. PR campaigns and uh, earn million dollars, you know, because yeah, right, they're sure. good with that. Yeah. They're good. I can't, I don't know how they can get these links. I can read <laughs> many guides how to create link building campaigns. I can learn all of them, but they have experience. They yep. know how to do it. So it's yep. it's not secret. It's more practice. You know, if you want to develop yourself, just go in one direction. Yeah. Okay. Specializing is really good. And, and the last thing I'll say on that too is, you know, marketing is just getting more and more complicated. I, I, have you ever seen the the Martech landscape? Um, the mm -hmm. slide that have you? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what it's called. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I I think I've seen it on uh, on their website. Yeah, it was it was this guy this guy named um, Scott Brinker, uh, and I I think I, I don't know what he's up to these days, but mm -hmm. um, and he put out this was like five or ten years ago, and this was the marketing technology landscape. And it was this mm -hmm. big slide that had all these companies. Oh, you could use this for your email and that for your website and this for your CRM. And it had, you know, maybe 500 companies on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I haven't looked at it in a couple of years, but the last time I saw it, it had 6,000 companies and that's just for marketing technology. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. every single one of those companies has a product that somebody specializes in. So marketing is just, it's getting bigger and bigger and more money, you know, people think, oh yeah, digital marketing, you know, it's already, a lot of people still think of digital marketing as a separate thing. There's a long way to go in terms of the money and the expertise and the tools that are going to continue coming mm -hmm. into this space. So anyway, you know, special specialization can be very helpful. Yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, I have the question about interlinking. Can you mm -hmm. tell practical tips how to interlink content uh, yeah. and uh, to bring weight to many different pages? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great question. And so often overlooked um, by, mm -hmm. by, uh, by writers. So um, the number one thing is whenever we write, uh, whenever we, we provide outlines to our clients, we sometimes write, but generally, generally we don't. Um, but whenever we provide an outline to our client, we literally do a Google search of their site for the blog title that we're writing. So, you know, Google mm -hmm. has the site operator. We do site, www, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And that gives us, usually they don't have a resource like that, but that gives us, okay, here's what Google thinks is already the most important stuff um, for that article. And we take those results and we put them in our outline so that the writer knows what pages they need to be linking to already on the site. The other valuable thing about doing that early on is that it gives you content that already exists. So you can take that content and, you know, you change it or massage it a little bit, but you take it, you put it in the new thing if you can. Mm -hmm. So that's number one uh, in terms of practical tips for doing that. Uh, number two, and this is more sort of a, um, 
a note of a caution or maybe not exactly that, but in Google Search Console, you can go into the left-hand pane at, all the way at the bottom and there's a links report and Google will tell you which pages on your site receive the most links within your site. And it's a great thing to look at. Mm -hmm. And it's important to be sure that the most important pages on your site are getting the most links. And what you can also see in that report is which blog posts, other things that are getting the least. So a great exercise to do is clients go back, look at that old stuff that doesn't have any links coming in. Have you produced things recently that you could be putting in there? So that's, that, those are a couple of ways that we think about, you know, how to make sure that things are linked up appropriately. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Love it. Uh, you know, I, I usually use uh, HREFs to that uh, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> because I check out some pages uh, that have right. high authority and use yeah. Google. You know, I yeah. submit keywords, uh, my website and can check out uh, related pages and yeah, yeah just give the go. task to my content manager and I'll analyze <laughs> them. <laughs> also a great tool. Yeah. Anything you can do to get to weave that stuff together because that's all going to fit into the topic strategy and every link is a call to action. People don't think about it that way, but it really is. So the more you can get in there, the better. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Okay. Uh, I have the question about your predictions uh, in SEO uh, mm -hmm. or uh, call to actions uh, or interlinking. What kind of future will be? Because, you know, uh, I, some uh, of my audience asked me, you know, some people ask about uh, 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 metaverse will change everything. You know, mm -hmm. uh, SEO will die, digital marketing will die, mm -hmm. only metaverse will be there. What do you think about that? Okay, um, it's a great question. So number one, I highly doubt SEO is gonna die because there's this company uh, that you may have heard of called Google uh, mm -hmm. that depends on SEO being a thing, on organic search being a thing so that they can show ads. Mm -hmm. And they make $300 billion a year on ads. I don't know, some huge, I, I don't know what the right number is, something like that. I'll there is no that. way, what? Uh, a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot more. It's a lot of, a lot of money. Um, there is no way that SEO, it, that organic search as a channel, let's put it that way, mm -hmm. is just going to disappear. Not that it might not change or take on new forms. And I'm not saying anything about 10 years from now, 20 years from now could be a thing. But in the short term and medium term, I think it's going to be, they're, they're going to work on new ways to index more and more information instead of less information. Um, so that's number one. However, I think um, SEO, we've all seen that shift over the past five or 10 years from it's not about for, for a lot, at least the clients that we work with, it's not about, you know, doing backlink campaigns. It's not about, um, you know, trying to game the description tags and keywords. So, you know, we've all put a lot of that stuff, not all of it, but a good amount of it behind us. Um, and now most people are focusing, they might be doing backlinks, they might be doing other stuff, but they're doing a lot of content a lot of high quality content that people want to read. They're distributing it through other channels, et cetera, et cetera. So I think my, my uh, prediction there is it's going to, we're going to continue to see more investment in content. And the other thing that's going to happen is if you start to search some of these terms like um, marketing automation, the entire first page is what is marketing automation? Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to see less and less room to win on that stuff. And it's going to be more about, finding those niches, those specific things that we can really win. Um, so that's that. And then um, I think uh, I had a third prediction as well that I'm trying to, oh yes, there, there's another thing that people keep talking about too, 
which is AI generated content. And uh, my feeling with AI generated content is that those are gonna become very important tools for writers and marketers to use to make them more productive. But ultimately, I, I still think you're gonna need a human editor and a human writer in the loop to create that content that's actually gonna rank. Nice, nice, yeah. Uh, I use this uh, AI tools. I, I love them. You know, uh, by, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I edit a lot because sometimes I can get full nonsense. You know, when, when I submit exactly. uh, topic uh, keywords and get something not interesting. But uh, it, it takes time. You know, to analyze a few uh, variants uh, to check it out. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's not. But uh, it saves so much time uh, mm -hmm. in the it end. Does. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a great. It's a, it's a lever. It's a bicycle right mm -hmm. for your content writing you know and you're still going to want to you know need to walk and be a normal person but if you're trying to get somewhere fast it can it can help accelerate that process of producing good content but ultimately you got to have somebody um uh, a, a person writing it they yeah. it creates some funny stuff though i mean there's some really good you know fun things that you can get out of prompts you know that you give to these ai tools and stuff like that but anyway yeah. that's for yeah. another time and and you know when someone asked me the question seo will die yeah some some day will die but i don't know when, <laughs> when it happens you know i, I remember when uh, interesting phrase from uh, jeff bezos he's mm. he said to his team amazon will be bankrupt one day you know and right. your goal is to procrastinate this process <laughs> today right. i yeah, today you can see uh, SEO is growing and it, it will not be like drop, you know, in one day SEO is dead. Yeah, right. possible it's diminishing some sometimes, you know, so you can uh, adapt to find new channels. That's okay, but it's not the process for one day or even for a few months. It takes right. years, you know, and yep. right now it's, it's growing. Yeah, Simple. that's what we're seeing too. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Justin, it's a big pleasure to get in my show, to learn from you, to get yeah. A lot of this stuff. Uh, tell our people how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Hit me on LinkedIn. Uh, always happy to chat on LinkedIn. Uh, also, you can go to ercule.co, E-R-C-U-L-E.co. And uh, there's a link there for signing up for our newsletter. We have a lot of fun writing that newsletter. We have a lot of fun sending it to people. So please try it out. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, and, you know, we're always happy to help and, and love to just talk with people and learn what they're thinking about. And thank you so much, Anatoly, for having me on here. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a big pleasure. Big pleasure. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.